Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And welcome back to Sony's PlayStation Week with a small sojourn to Twitch yesterday, in which today we're going to discuss the future of PlayStation, Sony Interactive Entertainment in general, as a Bloomberg article has come out that has really called into question exactly what we are all going to be playing throughout this generation. Do you like The Last of Us? How about Horizon? How do you feel about Spider-Man or Uncharted? Do you love God of War? Well, I hope so, because if this article from Jason Schreier is actually correct, and we always have to take anonymously sourced articles with a grain of salt, as we will discuss as we go through it, then that is most of what you are going to be getting from Sony's output throughout this generation. Let's dive in. The article is entitled, Sony's Obsession with Blockbusters is Stirring Unrest Within the PlayStation Empire. And the subtitle here is what Jason Trier is using as his framing device to discuss Sony's policies throughout this generation. A small team had big ambitions for a Last of Us remake, but Sony handed the work to star studio Naughty Dog. Sony Corp's visual arts service group has long been the unsung hero of many hit PlayStation video games. But about three years ago, a handful of influential figures within that group decided they wanted to have more creative control and lead game direction rather than just being supporting actors on popular titles. That's actually a common refrain if you go and you talk to people, and I've talked to a couple of people from supporting studios that are working on really big games and work on them uh, to the best of their ability and really help out get those games out the door, is that a lot of them, as you would imagine, in any creative endeavor, want to make their own stuff, want to lead their own stuff, want to have their handprints on their own stuff. So it's really no surprise that if you've got a support contingent in any of these companies, this isn't a Sony unique kind of feature, whether it's Microsoft or Activision or Electronic Arts or whoever that has these support studios, that one or more of the people at those studios are going to want to try their hand at making their own video game. So it looks like as Jason Schreier is framing this, Sony had that issue with the members of this visual arts service group. The idea was to expand upon some of the company's most successful franchises, and the team began working on a remake of the 2013 hit, The Last of Us, for the PlayStation 5. Now, we'll pause right there, because that's an interesting project in and of itself. If you haven't been following The Last of Us since it was released in 2013, great game, absolutely one of the best video games ever made, in my opinion. It got a remaster for the PlayStation 4. It was brought up to 60 frames per second. I think it had some resolution enhancements, and because it was made as late as 2013, it really didn't need a ton of extra effort. So selecting this as the project itself is kind of indicative of what, at bare minimum, the Visual Arts Service Group and Mr. Michael Mumbauer here, who's kind of the lead star player in this article, is assembling this group and trying to do his own creative thing with these people. It's already indicative of Sony and how they're feeling about what pitches they're going to accept that he selected to remake a game that was relatively new and had already been remastered in order to try to sell it to the heads of state over at Sony. But, as this article continues, even with that project, Sony never fully acknowledged the team's existence or gave them the funding and support needed to succeed, according to people involved. And here's where we step back and we take that grain of salt, right? Clearly, Jason Schreier's contacts are some people that were probably directly involved with this visual arts service group movement. And we can kind of understand from their tilt hey, this didn't work out because Sony never loved us, Sony never named us, Sony never gave us a studio title, Sony never gave us money, and we always have to try to establish where people are coming from when we're talking about sources, 
and the journalists that write about them. So it's clear that this is some aggrieved people and it looks like they are justified in their grievance, but we have to take it with that tilt understood. Instead, Sony moved ownership of The Last of Us remake to its original creator, Naughty Dog, who now has made a remaster of The Last of Us, is making a remake of The Last of Us, and as we will see later in this article, more copying of prior historical successes for Sony is going on behind the scenes as well. Deflated, this small group's leadership has largely disbanded, and we'll see that's a problem at Sony with people losing heart. These are creative, artistic individuals. Yes, there are technical components to making video games, massive ones, but at its heart, it's people that want to make great games, want to make great art. And if you only have them supporting folks, some people are going to be okay with that, but some people aren't. And you're going to lose some good folks. Many, including Mumbauer, have left the company entirely. Mumbauer declined to comment. Others asked not to be named. A representative for Sony declined to comment or provide interviews. So this is only from Jason's anonymous sources. Again, we take that under advisement as we read through the article and evaluate its veracity. The team's failure highlights the complex hierarchy of video game development and in particular, Sony's conservative approach to making games for the PlayStation 5. It has prioritized games made by its most successful developers. Not only that, if we think about the PlayStation slate, and I'll have a tweet that kind of itemizes this so that we can talk about it a little bit better, it's prioritizing games that historically have had significant returns of investment, but are now simply sequels of games that were historically successful. There's nothing wrong with a sequel-dominated strategy, but it's probably not terribly interesting to everyone that might otherwise be involved either in the development of Sony products or the purchase of them. Rival Microsoft Corp. has taken the opposite approach, relying on a wide array of studios to feed its Netflix-like subscription service, Xbox Game Pass. Now, to be truthful, I don't think that this is probably the best kind of editorial description of what's happening with these two companies. Microsoft Corp. is sitting on a ton of free cash with apparently a desire to invest more in the video game industry. And I can't blame them after coronavirus 2020. The video game industry looks like a good place to put your cash. And they are clearly trying to buy something somewhere, probably Bethesda, that will emulate this exclusive AAA strategy that Sony has. They just didn't raise their garden. They bought a nice garden uh, from the side street vendor. Bethesda, $7.5 billion. What's that? It's couch change for Microsoft, right? So they want to have a somewhat similar strategy while also selling their recurring revenue source. The problem is Sony, they've built their garden. They have a lovely garden. They make tons of great video games, but they're now just kind of sitting, resting on their laurels, you might say. Sony's focus on exclusive blockbusters has come at the expense of niche teams and studios within the PlayStation organization, leading to high turnover and less choice for players. Again, Jason editorializing here, but I can't say he's inaccurate. Last week, Sony reorganized a development office in Japan, resulting in mass departures of people who worked on less well-known but acclaimed games, such as Gravity Rush and Everybody's Golf. Again, the history of Sony is not just making over-the-shoulder action games or open-world, over-the-shoulder cinematic adventures like the Horizons and the Spider-Mans of the world. They actually made a ton of different types of games that were 
pretty well thought of by both critics and customers alike. They are moving away from that. The financial folks, the CFOs, the bean counters are looking at it and saying, well, let's just invest in the tent poles and the blockbusters and that'll make us more money and we don't have to waste this money on these smaller initiatives. The company has informed developers that it no longer wants to produce smaller games that are only successful in Japan, Bloomberg has reported. This fixation on teams that churn out hits is creating unrest across Sony's portfolio of game studios. Oregon-based Sony Ben, best known for the 2019 open-world action game Days Gone. I challenge this, Jason. They are best known for the excellent PlayStation 1 original-era siphon filter series, and I'll die on that hill. No, I love Days Gone. Tried unsuccessfully to pitch a sequel that year. According to people familiar with the proposal, although the first game had been profitable, very important, very key, it didn't make as much money as Ghost of Tsushima or The Last of Us Part Two or Spider-Man, but it was profitable. It was something that was keeping a band of developers at Sony happy, creatively making something while they also simultaneously supported the efforts of the rest of the Sony studios. Its development had been lengthy and critical reception was mixed, so a Days Gone 2 wasn't seen as a viable option. In case you ever wonder... Whether these studios, whether these publishers, whether the money men keep track of what the Metacritic is. When I think Days Gone is generally better received by the player base than the Metacritic audience was. And I think to some extent that's fair because as I understand it, during the review period, Days Gone was significantly more technically problematic than it became even shortly after its release. I played through it all really close to release, never had a single problem with it. And so Days Gone 2 was killed. That's fine. We'll start talking about this a little bit more in a second, but it also led to the same kind of issues with actual creative talent retention that we saw in Japan. We saw just referenced in this article that we've seen across Sony, including across Naughty Dog in terms of turnover. Instead, one team at the studio, this is Sony Bend now, was assigned to help Naughty Dog with a multiplayer game, while the second game was assigned to work on a new uncharted game with supervision from naughty dog a second group some staff including top leads were unhappy with this arrangement who could blame them you've made games since the start of playstation and now you're being told you have to be a support studio for a multiplayer game and the fifth if not sixth if you count some of the vita titles uncharted game so those leads were unhappy with this arrangement and left and i don't think we can oversell this kind of problem at Sony. We knew about this last December, right? Here's an article from Games Radar. Days Gone writer and director leave Sony Ben Studios. They both left. But if we actually talk about who these people are, over the past two decades, I helped the studio grow into a major developer, now part of the Sony family. Along the way, I wrote and directed every game from Siphon Filter through Days Gone, including Resistance Retribution, Uncharted Golden Abyss. I want to thank fans. These were labors of love, but I'm gone. Hey, I'm gone too. These folks are gone. So when we talk about Bend, Sony killed it. Sony killed what it was. That doesn't mean that the new folks can't make a great game. None of this video is intended to disparage the great games that Sony puts out there. It is intended to talk about the philosophy that leads us to repeating the same great games over and over and kicking out creative talent because you won't give them the chance to make even a small thing that could otherwise help 
grow your farm system. And that's a baseball term here in America, but we're going to talk about it because one of the issues I have is that when you focus on these tent poles, not only are you making big bets that will eventually not work out and really cause financial issues for your company, you're also not growing the next generation of big games. Small games can become big. Small talent, small studios can become big. This is a myopic strategy that really speaks to a problem with the philosophy of what is supposed to be a creative endeavor over at Sony. Ben's developers feared they might be absorbed into Naughty Dog and the studio's leadership asked to be taken off the Uncharted project. They got their wish last month and are now working on a new game of their own. I know a number of people when I was tweeting and otherwise talking about this said, hey, Ben's making their own game now. That's fine. This was approved, what, last month with an entirely new leadership group with Ben not looking like it used to and clearly with Sony willing to hit the trigger to move them into full support studio status on a hair's breadth. I wouldn't hold my breath for this project, at least for some time, and we'll see how it goes. I hope very much for the Ben developers that are left there at the studio, that they succeed. Uh, But we'll have to see how that happens because Sony clearly was willing to take them off of what would have been, I think, a pretty successful Days Gone 2 project once they've gotten all the kinks out with the original release. Emphasizing big hits can also be counterproductive, says Bloomberg and Jason Schreier, because sometimes games that start small can turn into massive successes. In 2020, Sony didn't put much marketing muscle behind the quirky video game creation system Dreams, uh, but by the PlayStation-owned media molecule in the UK. As a result, PlayStation may have missed out on its own version of Roblox. I know people love it when I pronounce it that way, but that's how I pronounce it. A similar video game tool. Parent company Roblox Corp went public earlier this year and is now valued at $45 billion. I think you're stepping a few steps ahead, Mr. Schreier, when you say that Dreams is like Roblox because it's not. Uh, but it's fair to say that Sony doesn't have that breadth of imagination that you would want to realize the potential gains of something like Dreams. It was never going to be, you know, Roblox Corp. It wasn't going to have a direct offering to the public markets and get a valuation of $45 billion. This kind of thing wasn't going to happen, so you're stealing the base a little bit. But you are right to point out that Sony is clearly myopic in what it thinks these things can do. In, hey, it's Dreams, pun very much intended. But looking at this, the real issue is not that Days Gone, which I loved in 2019, isn't going to have a sequel, although that that hurts somebody that loves that original title, or that the Siphon Filter team isn't going to make another Siphon Filter, isn't going to do something at that studio. The real problem is when you break this article down, you can see better what Sony is funding, what they are paying for, what they think the PlayStation 5 audience wants. And who says they're wrong? But it's a very, very boring thing to see. The third release of Last of Us, another open world run around and hit checkpoints Ubisoft game in Horizon. The next God of War, which yes, is a reboot in and of itself, but is actually, I don't know, the 12th God of War game. I don't know how much y'all love Kratos anymore. I'm, I'm not I'm not too into him. A new Spider-Man, which I will undoubtedly love. I will probably play all these games. But it's another Spider-Man, which is already saturated with the MCU and the Avengers and whatever else. Another Ratchet, which I'm happy to see, but we've played Ratchet before. And the demos of Ratchet, as much as they look cool, seem to be Ratchet and Clank again. And another Uncharted, when that series finished pretty much as well as you could with an Uncharted 4 epilogue that really was a nice wrap-up for that series. Another Uncharted that may or may not be being made by Naughty Dog? Very unclear there, because in the Bloomberg article, all it says is that Bend got out of it. Now, there are rumors that 
Some games are being made over at San Diego, the people that make MLB The Show, which of course was a topic of another video in Virtual Legality this week, but who knows? And if you look at that list, you say, all right, I mean, I guess I like the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4 generations. Why wouldn't we do it again? But we aren't getting some of those more exciting, more ambitious, more interesting projects. You don't see a role-playing game here. You don't see a fighting game here. Heck, you don't even see the most popular genre of video games right now, which I'm a little bit over, but I know a lot of people aren't. You don't see a first-person shooter. You don't see the ambition. You don't see the breadth. You don't see what PlayStation used to be. And I think that is very much a shame. I've loved the PlayStation since it came out in, I think it's 1995. I've had every generation. I was very enthused by its possibilities. And those possibilities seem to be waning as Sony, as a game maker, decides that it wants to be a cinema, releasing only summer blockbusters when the fun stuff is happening over on TV. And this concept is repeated really across my timeline and I think across the internet right now. We've got Chris Grinnell who helped work on Killzone and Wipeout saying the ballsy PlayStation I was honored to be a part of seems to be long gone, sadly. We've got people telling me that David Jaffe, the mind behind Twisted Metal, one of PlayStation's original popular inventive titles, said it on yesterday's live stream. The old Sony is gone. The creative and risk-taking Sony is replaced by corporate and safe company. And we have it actually tagged by Jez Corden, who, yes, is an Xbox guy, is a Windows guy, but he's right. He tagged a speech that Sean Layden made at E3 in 2014. And he said in that speech the following. It wasn't a multi-million seller, but that's not the point. Vib Ribbon was unafraid to go against the tide. It was courageous in its ambition. It brought a completely new experience to gamers. It's an incredible time to be a part of the PlayStation family in 2014. For me, now, I very much wish that it still felt like it was an incredible time to be a part of that family. If you enjoyed this, this is Virtual Legality. We talk about the business and law of video games all the time. We've got a Patreon. We've got Streamlabs. We've got a store with shirts and mugs and other fun stuff. Please consider checking it out to help support the channel. Otherwise, just subscribe, ring the bell, leave a comment, tell your friends. Every single little bit helps. Otherwise, thank you so much for watching this on YouTube. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.